Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Larry Stone. Larry is a columnist for the Seattle Times and a longtime Hall of Fame voter. You can give Larry a follow on Twitter at Stone Larry. Larry, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Larry, let's start at the beginning, I guess. Tell me what initially got you into baseball and baseball writing in the first place. Well, I was I was a baseball player uh, at the high school level, and that was about as far as I got. But I always loved the sport. I was a, I grew up in Southern California as a fanatical Dodger fan, and. Uh, then I went off to the University of California, and one day there was an ad in the paper for, uh, in the school paper for for writers. They were seeking writers, and I went and showed up. And the guy who had been covering Cal baseball had come down with mono the day before, so they said, "You're you're our new Cal baseball writer." So uh, I just loved it and took it from there. Larry, we're going to do a lot of Hall of Fame talk today, but before we get into that, I want to ask you about the Mariners a little bit. They've certainly made waves this offseason, signing Cano to a 10-year, $240 million contract. What are your thoughts on the Cano contract? First of all, it was stunning. I I, I don't think anybody at the outset of the, of the free agency forecast that the Mariners would be a, a, a serious player for him for for two reasons. One, that the, that the, that the ownership would, would agree to pony up that kind of money, and two, that Cano would even entertain the idea of moving so far out west, and for both of those things to happen to me was was amazing, uh, but it was just like the perfect confluence of events. Uh, the Yankees backed off, and the Mariners uh, were the only team, really, that, that were willing to go that high, so in that context... Uh, you know, it it started to make some sense, and then it 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 really happened. And you know, I I I thought it was a good move for them. The you know, the, I'm fully aware that those kind of contracts are usually regretted by the team that that gives them out. But this was a this was a team, or is a team that has sunk so low in the consciousness and the uh, of its fans that they really needed to do something dramatic, I think, to shake things up, to change the, the, the perception. So in that regard, I think it was something they almost had to do. I feel like Cano is one of the best players in the game and that he will be a great move for them in the short term. Long term, that's probably not going to look so good unless he ends up being you know, Joe Morgan. If he has that kind of career after he turned 30, that'll be great. But my concern with the Mariners organization, at least looking at it from the outside, is that even the general manager seems to be publicly saying that they're desperate. Do they come across like a desperate organization to you? Well, I think it's a it's a desperate uh, a move born out of desperation for sure. Uh, and uh, And... Uh, accurately so they they are desperate this is a, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001 they've uh, pretty much been at the basement uh, for the last 10 years their attendance has been cut in half since the heyday of uh, the early years of Safeco Field when they sold they virtually sold out the season uh, they peaked at 3.5 million now now they're at 1.7 million so there is a certain amount of desperation. The key to me now is what they're going to do moving forward to supplement this move. You can't just sign Cano, uh, admittedly a great player. They Obviously, he's going to help them. You can't not add one of the best offensive players in the game and certainly the best at his position and not get better. But uh, this team had enough holes and so many holes that one player is not going to solve them. So it's a, sort of the same phenomenon as they face with Felix Hernandez. You, you've got this great player, now two great players, uh, but are you going to kind of waste their talents with, by not surrounding them with, uh, 
with with more good players. So now I'm looking. The, the key to me is what they what they do the rest of this off season. They did get Corey Hart and Logan Morrison, but both those guys are coming off double knee the surgery, so they're no sure thing. Uh, they need to go out and get some more uh, some more players. I think. I feel like the Mariners should know better than anyone else about how winning in baseball is not just about collecting three or four superstars. In the late 90s, when they still had Griffey and A-Rod and Randy Johnson and Edgar Martinez, they had four of the better players in baseball, plus Buner, who was at the time playing at an all-star level. But the rest of their team was filled with really replacement-level players. It seems like they're doing the same thing now. Yeah, <laughs> without the... Uh, the, the you know they have two superstars, but that team, as you mentioned, had four, and they also had uh, Jamie Moyer, uh, who was a, who was a very good, uh, you know, very very good pitcher at the time. But you know, and that team, to be fair, it it did they 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 won they made it to the playoffs in '95, '97, 2000, and then by 2001 they were all gone, and they had their best year ever. But yeah, you're right. It's it's a lesson that should be that they should know better than anybody, and. Uh, uh, we'll see if history repeats itself. We've heard the Mariners connected to both Matt Kemp and David Price also this offseason. Do you think they land one of those guys? I, I don't think they they end up with, with Kemp uh, just because his salary is so oppressive, uh, like, uh, what, $140 million I think, still owed to him and the ankle uh, problems. Um, you know, I, I just think they, they would be foolhardy of them to give up a top prospect to get Kemp and take on that money. You know, maybe if the Dodgers are willing to eat a huge amount of it, they would uh, they would consider it. But uh, I just don't see that happening. And the other one you mentioned was, uh, who did you say, David Price? Yes. Yeah. Um, that would, it's still out there on the table. Uh, I don't think that deal gets done without them giving up Taiwan Walker, their, their number one prospect. Uh, a young pitcher who's got a huge uh, upside, uh, great potential. Um, to me, that's another thing. I, I I don't see the wisdom of doing that. You're you're getting two years of David Price, a great pitcher, but he's going to be a free agent in two years, and he's already indicated uh, an unwillingness to talk about an extension with Seattle. Uh, for six years of Taiwan Walker, um, it could really that one could really blow up in their face if they decide to do that. But if they really, uh, if their motivation is win now, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility. Let's switch over to the Hall of Fame, which of course means we have to do a little PED talk as well. When did you first realize that steroids and PEDs were coming into the game? Well, boy, that's an interesting question. I was in the Bay Area in uh, in, the, in the late 1980s when when the first rumors started with Canseco, uh, and I think I was at uh, one of those playoff games in uh, in Boston when the crowd was was chanting uh, steroids, steroids. And this was in the, uh, 87, 88. I can't remember which year. Uh, Thomas Boswell, of the Washington Post, had written about how players in baseball called the uh, steroids, Canseco uh, milkshakes, I think was the term he used. So that was the first I had heard of it. But like everyone else, I sort of, uh, you know, I plead guilty and kind of glossing it over, uh, not div- digging into it as as much as I should. But by the, really by the early 2000s, I think we all knew what was, that something was going on. Well, you hit on that a little bit, but how do you think the writers handled the story in general? Not great. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, I think there was a lot of, uh, uh, just the will the blissful ignorance uh it you could see all the bodies and you could see uh, you know how 
unnatural they looked and the statistics which were off the charts and you know I think that we was we were all a little too quick to buy into the story of just oh it was just weight training and and uh, or or the, the the baseballs were juiced or whatever um so uh, you know not our not our proudest moment but in our in the defense of the writers it's it, it's not the you know you just can't go start accusing people uh, uh without proof and and proof was hard to get and uh, so but that's no excuse in retrospect it was it was probably a very poor job by the entire media What's your opinion on players associated with PEDs or merely suspected of using PEDs and getting into the Hall of Fame? Well, I've uh, you know I've I've taken a stand on that. I've voted for uh, you know been open about who I voted for. I, I post my ballot every year. I voted for uh, McGuire every year until last year when I knocked him off my ballot, not because of steroids, but because there were too many candidates. I voted for Bonds. I voted for Clemens. Uh, you know, I didn't vote for, for Palmero. Uh, sort of the line in the sand I drew was that, you know, Palmero, uh, tested positive after there was a rule in place. Uh, the other guys, really, there was no, there was no rules in, in baseball for, for the time when Bonds and those other guys were accused of, uh, the steroids. There was no testing. Um, my feeling is it was, uh, it's just, it was such a part of the game uh, that it's that it's impossible to 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 figure out who did use and who didn't use. Uh, you know, I love it when people say so definitively. Well, Frank Thomas is clean. I'm going to vote for him. You know, I'm not saying Frank Thomas isn't clean, but no, nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows who was clean and who wasn't. We have a pretty idea who wasn't. I mean, who, uh, so, you know, guys like Bonds, I think we, we were pretty safe in assuming that he was a steroids user, but there's other people that we just don't know. So I just don't know how you can sort that out. So I just go go by the statistics, which which are still in the record books, which are allowed, baseball allowed the, them to play and to accumulate those statistics. So that's what I go by. Do you think there were players already in the Hall of Fame who have used steroids? I do, yeah. I, I'm not saying who there are, but to me, uh, uh, you know, that's kind of going to be the tipping point. At some point, there will be a player in the Hall of Fame who will be outed as a steroids user, a guy who's already been inducted. Uh, and uh, at that point, I think everyone's going to, will they kick him out of the Hall of Fame? And if they don't, then I think that's going to change the perception of, of how people vote. Um, and I, I do think that that the the the, the uh, attitude towards that is gonna is gonna soften as as years go by. Uh, but right now, there's a lot of people who are taking hardline stances, and it's really causing a mess in the in the Hall of Fame voting. As you know, there's uh, you know I counted uh, uh, I haven't filled out my ballot yet. Uh, you know we have it till December 31st, but. I looked at uh, 20, uh, 21 guys who I would give serious consideration to, and you can only vote for 10. So, And I voted for a full 10 last year, and there's uh, three and maybe four guys I want to vote for this year. So that's, uh, you know, only and nobody got in last year. So uh, there's right, off the bat, bat, or right off the bat, there's 14 guys for 10 spots, not to count the, the borderline guys from past years uh, who I would have – probably like to have voted for but couldn't and so it's it's really getting to be a log jam that's uh, that's really going to be 
bad news for guys like, you know, right here in Seattle, Edgar Martinez is a guy I've advocated for and will vote for have voted for, but I'm really afraid that he's going to be kind of the odd man out when someone says, oh, well, uh, i got to vote for Maddox, so someone's got to come off. Uh, well, Edgar, you know, sorry, Edgar. So I'm really curious to see what happens to, the, to his vote, vote total this year. I'm curious, Phil Rogers just came on and he was supporting Alan Trammell, and I think Alan Trammell should be in. I think Edgar Martinez should be in. But I'm curious, I asked him if now because the ballot is so crowded, you almost have to play games with your ballot in the sense that, look, neither Alan Trammell or Edgar Martinez are getting in by the writers. That's 100% clear. They may get it at some point through various veteran committees, but they're not getting in through the writers. Do you abandon your vote for them and try and support someone who may actually get in? Yeah, well... You know, those are the games you are going to have to play. I haven't decided. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to keep voting for for Edgar. Uh, Trammell's one I'll have to think hard about. I voted for him last year. Schilling, I voted for. Uh, have to think about that one. Uh, you know, you're going to have to leave uh, a lot of people. I mean, there's still some. There's still people who vote for four, five, or or six, and they, they won't be a problem for them. But uh, a lot of us who have been maxing out and have seen this coming. Um, you know, I certainly saw it come uh, coming last year. I knew who was going to enter the ballot, and I, you can look ahead and see Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr. on the horizon, uh, Smoltz. Um, I may, may be forgetting one or two. So it's only going to get uh, more, more cumbersome, which leads to, uh, I'm sure, uh, you were going to ask me about solutions, and one is uh, I'd like to see the ballot expanded beyond 10. There's really no good reason to stop at 10, and particularly now, in light of uh, in light of what's happening with the you know this all stems to the I think from the steroids question and and guys just being unsure what to do with the steroids. As guys, there's enough people voting for them to keep them on the ballot, but not enough to get them in the. Uh, in the hall, so they they stay there year after year, and it's just sapping uh, votes away from from other players, so that nobody gets in or or few people get in. So, I think if you uh, expanded the ballot, uh, it, it would at least help alleviate that problem a little bit. Do you think it takes 600 people to vote for people enshrined in the Hall of Fame? Do you think that's needed? Well, I I do think that. Uh, you know that's the Hall of Fame is the one who chose this system, and not the baseball writers. They, they the Hall of Fame came to the baseball writers to, to have them vote. Um, I do think that we need to uh, modify perhaps who is eligible to vote. Uh, you have a situation now where you have people once you're you know once you're a ten year member of the Baseball Writers Association, you're a member for life, and you get to vote for the Hall of Fame for life. So you could have somebody. You know, th- theoretically, he could cover baseball for 10 years and say, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to change careers and become an insurance salesman at age uh, 35. And for the next 30 years, this insurance salesman would have a Hall of Fame vote. So I do think there needs uh, to be perhaps, uh, you know, you, you have to stay only active baseball writers or, or baseball writers within the last five years. The lifetime status, I think, is something we have to reexamine, and that would cut down the, the number of voting considerably. You know, the reasoning behind it is that, uh, uh, you know, guys stay on the ballot for 15 years, and newcomers haven't may, maybe haven't seen a Jack Morris, where the old-timers would have a better perspective. And, you know, uh, I think that's the reasoning behind letting people vote. But I, I really think that's something that needs to be reexamined, uh, which would 
which would make a more uh, uh, informed vote, uh, electorate and also would 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 make it smaller and perhaps that would uh, would help uh, get more people in. What do you feel about voting for the Hall of Fame the same way you're asked to vote for the MVP, where you rank each player, the players are giving a point system, and the Hall of Fame could say whatever the point total is, let's say it's you know 500, you need 500 points or higher to get in, and they could adjust that point total every year. They could have a, a total now where there's a lot of players that would allow more people to get in. It's not just so one or two could get in, but that total could be adjusted every year. So you're not just saying the top four players are getting in. There is a, a ranking system involved. Uh, I'd have to think about that. But I don't, you know, my snap judgment is I don't like it. I think, uh, I, I don't think you, you're a Hall of Famer. You're not a Hall of Famer. I don't like the idea of ranking the Hall of Famers. Uh, I just think you you have a standard for what a Hall of Famer is, and if a person meets that, you get to vote for them, and if if not, you don't. Uh, now, it, you could have, if you think more than 10 people are Hall of Famers, which I happen to do right now, you can vote for all of them, but... Um, uh, I'd have to be convinced that that's a, that's a good idea. Well, the logic behind it would be that there are obviously people that don't think Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame because of their involvement with steroids or alleged involvement with steroids. However, there are people who believe that they should be in and not only think that Barry Bonds should be in, if they were ranking them, would put him first, right. which to me would say that I think if we look at Bonds and Clemens' vote totals, their percentage is right now around like 38%, right around 40%. I think if they had a weighted system, those guys would get up much higher, as I think the people that support them at this year's ballot, I, I, I think would put them no lower than three. I think you could have Maddox is sort of in that all-time great group, but I think if you're supporting them, you're going to support Barry Bonds over Edgar Martinez, over Alan Trammell, over Tim Raines. Although there are people, I think, who are conflicted, uh, and I'm I'm one of them. I mean, I I grapple with this every time. Uh, You know, I, I I understand the uh, that's why I don't I, I, I would never be an absolutist. I I respect the people who who uh, who have the other opinion. It's it's defensible. I think it's defensible. I just happen to believe the other way. So uh, you know I think there's some people who might want bonds in but don't feel strongly enough about it to to to, to put him number one in that scenario. Uh, because they, they like me, they're they're kind of conflicted. They realize that the steroids was probably involved, and he's not a, and and that is a mitigating factor. But just the whole complication of the system makes it hard to 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 not vote for him. So uh, I I think it's crazy to say uh, you're you're to say that some people do. Oh, you're nuts if you vote for bonds, or you're nuts if you don't vote for bonds. And there's people who to take both of those opinions, and and I, I'm a little more uh, in the gray area. I kind of look at those two guys, especially Bonds and Clemens, where we seem to have clear markers as to when they started using. Do you have any doubt that either of those players would have been Hall of Fame caliber players had they never used? Probably not, but I, I think it's also very dangerous to, to, to start deciding when somebody used. I just don't think we know. You know that, that's another thing that I, that I, uh, I think is maybe a little naive to, to, you know, I guess we could look at when his body started changing, but there's also some people who have used steroids that you never would have guessed just by their body type. So, you know, if he took it when we think he took it, then yes, he would have been a Hall of Famer anyway, but I'm just, uh, I'm not convinced that we can say that with with any uh, confidence. 
Before we get into some of the specific players on the ballot, tell me a bit about your voting philosophy. What are the things that you look at and consider to determine if someone should be in or out? Well, I've, I've changed over the years. I, uh, you know, I've become more, a little more sophisticated, I think, in my, uh, uh, with the more of the advanced statistics. Uh, I used to be more of a, just a, uh, the, the traditional statistics, but, and I, uh, I just look at the whole package. I, I read a lot of uh, people I respect, you know, the Posnanskis and those guys. What the, you know, where they come down. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been talked out of guys in the past. I used to vote for, uh, I voted for Lee Smith a couple of times, and and then I uh, uh, I became convinced that he's he's not a not a Hall of Famer, so I, I changed my vote. So uh, I. I, I don't think there's any one philosophy I have. I just kind of look at the whole, the whole picture and, uh, and and try to make an informed decision. Do you wish more writers looked at more of the advanced metrics? Uh, I do, although you know it's harder with the uh, the the the, uh, the longer a player's been out of the game. I think it's harder to to come up with an accurate picture, particularly of his defense. But um, yeah, I, I I do think that, but I don't think you could be. The, you can totally go on advanced stats either. I think there's there's other factors that you have to look at. But uh, I think if you looked at a guy like Jack Morris, for instance, who I think the, the people who tend to support him are the ones who have no knowledge or interest in advanced stats. And I think those who uh, have learned to delve a little deeper uh, realize that, that, that he's not as strong a candidate as as, uh, as those other people think. Yeah, and I feel bad for Morris because he's sort of become a cause on both sides. And, you know, he he's the argument point every year. For him, this is his last year on the writer's ballot, which is good. He's eventually going to get in at some point. So this is all moot. He's going to get in by the Veterans Committee at some point. But the interesting thing when I look at Jack Morris is last year, David Wells was on the ballot. And this year, Kenny Rogers is on the ballot. And Kenny Rogers and David Wells both top Jack Morris in wins above replacement on Baseball Reference site. They top him in wins above average. They top him in Jaws. And they top him in ERA+. plus. So... It's one of those things where Rogers will get like three votes and fall off this year. Uh, Wells got a handful of votes and fell off in his first year. That's the same caliber of pitcher that Jack Morris was, yet he's lingering on the ballot for 15 years. It's it's one of those things that makes no sense. Yeah, and I, I think I read somewhere where even like, someone like Kevin Apier's numbers are, are pretty similar. And, uh, you know, uh, Morris carried that, that uh, Game 7 win a, a long way. You know, I think that's his number one calling card and the fact that he, uh, you know, his supposed uh, uh, status as a big game postseason pitcher. But, uh, yeah, if you look deeper, it's just not enough. But then conversely, I think you have a guy like Burke Bur- Blylevin, who I think he got into the Hall of Fame uh, largely by virtue of advanced stats, which showed that he was better than people thought. And once that started to be to circulate, then, uh, then people start taking a second look at him, and uh, you know, there was one gentleman who really—I can't think of his name—but who really advocated on blogs for for Bly Levin and kind of got the word out, and people reconsidered. And in one of his his final chances, it might have been his final chance or his next to last one, he got in. So, uh, I think yeah, Edgar Martinez that we talked about earlier is a guy that looks better the the closer you look at him. So, you know, maybe over time, some of these people will get, will start to they'll be more informed electorate and some of these guys will start to get 
closer looks and second chances. I think what actually might help Edgar is that I think Frank Thomas is going to get in either this year or next. I think he's going to get in pretty soon. And I think Thomas was a better hitter than Edgar, but not by a significant margin. Thomas was better and he did it for a little longer, but Edgar was really, really very close to Thomas. And I think if they see a player who did play more than 50% of his games at DH, who was a terrible fielder, a terrible base runner, but just one of the elite hitters of all time get in, I think that will help Edgar Martinez in the long run. Yeah, I think so too. But Edgar's one of Edgar's problems is that he doesn't have those milestone statistics: three thousand hits, five hundred homers, which still mean a lot. Uh, you know, he's got a late start because of uh, you know, he was just held back in their farm system longer than he should have been, so he wasn't able to get uh, those numbers that really make you take notice. So people who have a bias against designated hitters, I think that would be overcome by three thousand hits or five hundred homers or, or or getting close at least, and and he just doesn't have that. So uh, I think people undervalue him. But, you know, 500 slugging percentage, 400 on base, 300 average for a career, that's pretty pretty rare. And uh, there are other other numbers you can point to that he's really in the company of only the greats. Well, you talked about uh, earlier in the podcast how you voted for Bonds and Clemens. You have voted for McGuire, but didn't not because of the steroids, just because uh, you didn't have room on your ballot this year. Will you find yourself in a position this year where you leave off Bonds or Clemens because you're trying to get some of these new guys like Maddox and Thomas on? You know, (laughs) I don't know who the heck I'm going to leave off yet. I'm probably going to wait till uh, I'm going to keep pondering that. You know, I uh, uh, my ballot last year was Bagwell. I I just looked it up: Bagwell, Biggio, Bonds, Clemens, Martinez, Piazza, Reigns, Schilling, Trammell, and Walker. So, I certainly want to vote for uh, Maddox and Thomas and uh, Glavin. You know, I'm thinking about Musina, but uh, that—that's three or maybe four people I have to kick off there. I don't want to kick any of those people off, so I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be uh, fascinating to see the the vote count this year. I really think that uh, I'm beginning to think that the only ones who have a chance to get in are the uh, the new guys, or um, you know, Biggio maybe might kick up and then there might be the sentimental vote for for Morris but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Maddox if Maddox is the only guy that gets in this time well it's interesting a lot of people are predicting that and I actually think there's going to be more movement than that and Phil Rogers and I just talked about this but I think it's I think we're in a position where the crowded ballot will be less crowded next year I, I think we're going to see movement with nine players I think we're going to see four get in I think Maddox is a lock I think Glavin will get in the 80 percent I think Thomas will get around 77 He'll squeak over the line. It's going to be much closer with him than it should be. And I think Biggio will be right there. I think he's going to be at 75%. He could very easily be a little bit under, but I think he's going to make it in. Because for writers who are not putting in guys associated with PEDs, I don't think Biggio has that label attached to him. Uh, It's not The ballot isn't as crowded as it is for those who are putting those guys in. So I think Biggio might squeak in. I think because of the crowded ballot and the anti-PED movement, McGuire, Sosa, and Palmero are all going to fall off this year. I think Don Mattingly will likely fall off as well, not that he's associated with PEDs, just because of the, I think people are going to have a hard time including him, and it's Jack Morris's last year regardless. So I think if nine players go off, that's a big difference in, in clearing up some of the crowded ballot. Yeah, well, that, that I don't know if I, I think that that many are going to get in, but I do think that some guys who are have been considered a Hall of Fame borderline caliber are going to indeed drop off the ballot, you know, like a Fred McGriff, let's say, or a Lee Smith. They've been hanging in there, 
but you know, I could see them. I could see them dropping off. You know, I, I fear for Edgar uh, that you know I, he, he he had over thirty percent for the last three years. So I doubt if it's going to go from thirty percent to 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 lower than five. But it, you know, it it could. Uh, so it's going to be a fascinating uh, vote to me, just because it could go in in so many different directions, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I yeah, Thomas Thomas and, and Glavin will be close, and and Biggio was so close before that he could get over the top. So, uh, you know, I think Piazza is a guy that that should take a should uh, should move up as well, uh, but but probably won't just because of the dynamics. Well, I want to ask you about Piazza and Bagwell because I've talked about them so much on this podcast, and I really feel like. It's important because they're issues of objectivity. And I feel like the writers who are voting, who even if it's not writers who are voting, that whoever is voting should be objective about the players. And I, I disagree with the people who want to keep Bonds and Clemens and McGuire out of the Hall of Fame, but I can at least understand why. But for people who were not who were keeping players out on mere suspicion when there was no evidence that they used, I have a much bigger problem with that. What do you think? No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, that's... To me, that's just unconscionable. Uh, you, 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 you can't just go on rumors and suspicions. Uh, that's just not fair. To, that's just not fair to the player. And uh, then that that ties into what we were talking about earlier about what a murky uh, gray area this is because. The, the, almost everybody who played in that era, there, there's, there, there, will, there can be suspicions about. So you're just going to not vote for anybody from the so-called steroids era. Uh, that just uh, that uh, there are people who who believe that way. But uh, you know, I I, I just uh, I just think it's it's kind of irresponsible to to just look at a guy say he's wow look how big he is. Uh, he must have used steroids. I'm not going to vote for him. I just uh, I, I, I can't uh, uh, approve of that at all. I want to get your thoughts on, on something that happened this offseason, at least it's apparently happened, that apparently a Hall of Fame voter, a BBWAA member, has sold his vote to Deadspin, the website deadspin.com. Deadspin created a poll as to what they're going to do with the vote. It seems like a perfectly reasonable solution. They're going to have their voters vote on people, but you have a, we're in a situation now where Deadspin did this on purpose to make a farce of the process. That was exactly their intent. I think it worked. I think the Hall of Fame should, I think there's a lot of changes that need to be done for the process. I hope this forces it, but what are you, your thoughts on the writer selling his ballot? I'm interested to see if the writer's ever publicly identified, because if the, rubber, if the writer's not identified, then how do we know that that really happened? They said that they will identify yeah, the I, name. I, I saw that. That's the... That I'm very curious to see see who it is. I'm sure they will be. They will never get a vote again. They will be drummed out of uh, you know the organization. But uh, you know, I I guess I'm, uh, I'm I have some loyalty to the Baseball Writers Association. I've been a member for 25 years. I I, I don't think it's a, a farcical situation. I think it's people uh, grappling with very very tough issues. Again, they're they're not cut and dry. Uh, there there's there's a lot there's a lot of ways you can look at this and i don't i think it's it's uh a little uh, i i don't 
I get mad when people say that they're they're being irresponsible or whatever. People are coming to their own uh, conclusions, and you might not agree with them, but you know, usually they have very well thought out reasons for for uh, for coming to them. So I don't like the I didn't like the the dead spin thing. I uh, I, I understand from their standpoint, it was it was a perfect. Uh, 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 ruse it, or uh, uh you know the got kind of publicity it it messed things up for the baseball writers association it was fun so i i understand why they did it but i just uh i had to cringe a little when i saw it and i think it's uh, it's going to be cringe worthy uh, when we find out uh, who who it was and 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 what the what the hall of fame is going to have to do something about uh when when I think when it when it's exposed even further as to uh, a name being associated with just what what right now is is just the word of Deadspin. Yeah, and you never know. Deadspin might be making the whole thing up. Which, if they're doing that, I'll almost give them more credit because it's uh it's an all time great publicity stunt if that's all this is. But do you think that the Hall of Fame voters should be held? Accountable. I think last year or the year before, someone voted for Aaron Seeley. Do you think that person that the Hall should just say, we don't want you voting anymore? Do you think that there should be a basic set of standards? There's always people that won't vote for the people on the first ballot, like Greg Maddox isn't going to get 100% of the vote. Why doesn't the Hall say to some writers, look, you voted for, you didn't vote for Nolan Ryan, you didn't vote for Mike Schmidt, you didn't vote for Greg Maddox. We don't want you voting. Now, that's kind of dangerous territory, though, because, you know, I would rather people being reprimanded for voting for, for someone who clearly doesn't belong than than for not voting for someone that you think does belong. Um, so the Aaron Seeley guy. The Aaron Seeley guy, yeah, right. But I think that could be, uh, I think that could be uh, uh, remedied by perhaps making the the ballot a little tougher to even get on it. You know, there's no need to have Sean Casey. There's no need to have Mike Timlin. Uh, you know, Richie Sexton, uh, Jacques Jones, who are all on this year's ballot. You know, good careers, and nobody in their right mind thinks they're a Hall of Famer. So let's let's just eliminate those guys from the ballot. Let's have a little, you know, whoever makes the ballot up, uh, have a, a more stringent pre-ballot uh, contingency. And uh, you know, put 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 only guys on there who are who are closer. You know, you don't have to eliminate borderline guys. That's for the electorate to do. But uh, I don't think anybody would say Armando Benitez in anybody's <laughs> imagination uh, should be on the ballot as he is uh, as he is this year. You've been listening to Larry Stone. Larry's a columnist for the Seattle Times and a longtime Hall of Fame voter. You can give Larry a follow on Twitter at Stone Larry. Larry, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it.